We're breathing. Happy Friday. We're back Happy together Friday. on the mainland. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hugging you, Jill. Glad your travels were safe. Happy belated birthday. I'm sorry I missed it. Oh my no. gosh. You know what? It's it's still going on. I think I'm going out tonight for another birthday thing, and I'm very excited about that. And where are we going? I'm not sure yet. Okay. But my car has gotten fixed. My which yep, yep, yep. So a little few problems with that. Everything's going according to schedule. Um I am on Medicare and you know yeah. And last week I I don't know if you saw the broadcast, but I brought out my humor about death book. Yes. And I I uh, uh several people really appreciated that. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah. So uh you know, just saying whenever you can find a certain amount of flexibility in your body and in your spirit and humor is one type of sort of allowing your uh, emotional knees right to give so yeah that's what's important stretch it's your so tell me about your conference because oh. of grief as well as other things. So what are some of your takeaways that you can share with our audience today? Well, there's nothing quite like being on Maui with 150 therapists in the same ah. resort. There were, there were a lot of us and um, some folks who were not from the conference said, you know, I saw a bunch of you running around with those tags on, what are you here for? I said, be careful, you're surrounded by therapists. Don't talk out loud. We'll we'll diagnose you and read your mind. <laughs> but it was it was really good. It, it's the Foundations of Connection Conference. It happens every year in Hawaii. This is the third year. Next year it'll be on Kona. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be asked to speak. And I spoke into grief and grief in the pandemic and how we need to help our clients and help each other. And then we also, I when we were putting it together, I spoke to Ernesto, who put it together, and I said, I really kind of think we need to do something to mark all the losses all of us have shared. And, you know, when you're sitting at a table with your grief books, people come and tell you their stories, which I am always honored to hear and absorb and be part of. Mm -hmm. And I heard a lot of them. And I heard about multiple losses by suicide by therapists as well this year as well as friends and family of therapists, which causes therapists to catch blame. Like, why didn't you see it coming? Didn't you know? You know, folks, we don't have crystal balls. And if anybody can can cover that they are not feeling like they're connected, it's going to be a therapist working online, right? Because we're all invested in our client time. But sometimes right. that isolation just... So we, I asked to do a memorial and we did it um, the last afternoon we were together of the first full, last full day we were together and um, we made a circle and I asked everyone to take a candle and I set two candles around the circle and mm -hmm. had everybody just speak out loud but quietly the names of the people they'd lost during the pandemic, not pandemic losses, 
Right. Losses during the pandemic, because nobody's losses, as we've been talking about all this time, have been marked. And right. several of those losses by suicide were within the last month. Oh. So there were some hurting people. And I had seen some hesitancy about joining up the circle. And after it was over, I heard from one third or more of the conferees how much that meant to them, that they got to be together um, and that they were able to um, be able to um, share that and get in touch with it. And they didn't realize they were holding on to it still. They thought they'd done the work mm -hmm. until they were in a circle with their fellow therapists looking out over the water of Hawaii. And then it came through. So, yeah, and it was interesting also the um, the staff at the conference center said they were touched by how much there was about grief. Um, and they stopped and chatted with me because Hawaii had a significant number of losses. Oh, yeah. And then they had losses because of their significant lockdown because everything shut. And so finances became horrible and there were lots of losses there. So it, it was an impactful four or five days. Um, lots of good connections mm -hmm. and, and the conference center makes gluten-free food for lunch. Yes. yes. And <laughs> the chef came out with a list every lunch and said, okay, gluten-free folks, you can have this, 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 just not that vegetarians. You can have this, 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 not that right. Keto. You can have this, this, but not that she had it down. It was yes. awesome. Yes. <laughs> And when you have an autoimmune like celiac, you got to know what you're allowed to eat. Yeah. Oh, right. Yes. That yes. conference center, you know, Sheraton Resort and Conference Center at Maui, you in Lahaina, you got it. You really do. And they have kitties. So if kitty you cat? kitty like, cats, if oh. you sit down at the restaurant downstairs, which is very expensive, but I treated myself to one time after both speaking gigs were over and I could go, right? Cause you have to have a level of energy to do speaking. So, and then, and so when I got to that point, I went and had a yummy gluten-free meal, which included gluten-free dessert. Like who does yes. that? Yes. Gluten-free desserts. They did. And I had a cat sitting next to me the whole time, which was way calming, way soothing, very nice. So watching the water in the dark with all of the glowing lanterns and a cat next to me sharing my shrimp and scallops. It was, it was good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, one, I want to recognize this loss for you, which is when you realize your diet, your freedom of diet choices has been limited it's a loss. It is. As, as I told you, my whole TEDx was based on my ability to share popcorn with other people. And like in a movie theater, the socialness, I grieved that. And so I want to say any way that you have made your way through this loss and recognizing and it's a loss. So that's number one. So for our listening audience, as you age and you are not used to certain things, 
Um, and you have to change where you've had freedom. And now your freedom, you need to find freedom within your new uh, boundary lines. Right. They truly are health related. And this is what you can do. This is what you can't. So amen to you for figuring this out. And I celiacted all you. over the place. I made, made my own bags of nuts and berries. Had right. them in my room. I packed right. some Cheerio cups. I got my milk there. I had some bananas. I could make do and make it good. Now, when you start at a young age, like my daughter at a young age, because of the type of asthma she had, then she could not have milk, no dairy. And this is the 80s. And, and that wasn't common milk. then. She had cereal with apple juice. That was for breakfast. You know, yeah, no. he couldn't have cake and ice cream. She could just have cake. And so they didn't have stuff back then. And then as she grew out of that, she now can, you know, she has a wider range. Those of us who had full range now have had to pull in because of whatever sensitivities. And I just want to say, ah, uh, and good job. Thank you. You know, yeah. and it's it's not just it's not dietary. Just there are people. There were people there who were adapting to new physical boundaries that they developed. And so, with all of those, you grieve them. You fab figure them out. You enjoy other people's pictures when they go on hikes that there's no way on God's green earth you're going to ever be able to do again. That's but right. you can enjoy the pictures, and you can find the quiet places to enjoy and be okay with that. Yeah, because your choice is to grieve it and let it be and enjoy what's there. Mm -hmm. or to be resentful and angry. And that just doesn't feel good. And it's no. not helping. And when you're resentful and angry, everybody picks it up. Right. Which just compounds that. So, you know, I guess the takeaway here is you can do two things at once. You can grieve a loss and learn at the same time you're grieving, you're learning to adapt. And that is one, you have to recognize it as a loss. And you have to be able to have humor with it because if you can't laugh while you're trying to figure out what's allowed, all you're going to be is irritated. You know, one of the best things, and I told this story before, but it I think it bears repeating. When I realized for the umpteenth time, one more food that created pain and infection in my body, which was popcorn, that I started crying at CVS, picking up my prescription in between the bras and the toothpaste. Yeah. I was a blubbering mess. And my husband said, hmm, you like ritual. Why don't you create a cremation ceremony for the popcorn and you can have the last pop. And you know, it gives you when you actually you feel sort of weak and vulnerable when you are admitting a grief or a loss or really understanding it. And at the same time, there's a certain amount of power that you receive mm -hmm. when you can be in that loss. Um, I'll just share with our listening audience. I think I said something before that I was sort of not, I, I had a lot of trepidation about, when I actually turned 65, which was uh, a Monday ago, or this past Monday. And 
because my own mother died six months after she turned 65. And it was very quick, sudden, boom, she's dead. So I'm like, uh-oh. And yet- One of those years. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, it is. It's just one of those years. So I admitted that to myself. The best conversation I had with my, and I was feeling very alone in that feeling. So my husband said, well, and he's 71. When his dad died, when his dad turned 60, his dad died quickly after that. Now his dad was sick, blah, 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 all, and never healthy. So Daryl said, I, I felt sort of alone during that time. And I go, why didn't you ever tell me? And he goes, I'm telling you now. <laughs> <laughs> I need a time to process. <laughs> right? Right. So, you know, sharing that kind of vulnerability in loss is real important. It is. Yeah. You know, and I did a, I did a podcast with a psychic um, a couple weeks ago. I just posted oh, yeah. it on our page a couple days ago. And when it came out, she's awesome. Um, she's from Canada. Um, so she has the cool accent. And I, I could do podcasts all day with Canadians if anyone wants a Jill. Um, but we talked a lot about grief and loss and how she does it with her clients and how I do it with mine. And then at the end, we got off and she's like, that was really fun. I said it was. And I said, I just got to tell you, I just turned the same age as my second wife was when she died. And next year I'm the same age as my first wife when she died. I just got to know. And she's like, Oh hell, you've got a long time to go. I'm like, okay, this is worth during a podcast. I got a guarantee on a lifeline. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I have the You have to have humor. Yes. And um, speaking of like psychics and mediums and stuff like that, I just want to commend, I don't know who it was, but it was in one of the grief Facebook groups. And she really looked at how psychic and mediums and those that don't gate, gouge you of money. Right. Okay. And she was very um, complimentary. She used it as a complimentary uh, therapy, you know, guidance during her grief of, and I, I forget which mem family member died. It might may have been her mom. And so people were saying, I would never use them, blah, blah, blah. She, she really showed how the comfort she got, that she got from using a, uh, someone to reach out to, uh, either talk about what the dead are saying mm -hmm. or to look at things in another perspective that once again, when someone dies, that person may be dead, but the relationship isn't the relationship. And I think that's what therapists and coaches really um, want to imbue to people anyway that yes, the person is dead. Yes, the availability to pick them up with a physical phone is not there. The texting not is done. Texting is done. 
at least in my lifetime, texting with dead people is not really happening. Although, but we'll talk about that some other time. We should do that because lots of people still do text and post. And yes. post. Mm -hmm. And, but to, to whether it doesn't matter if it's just your memories talking or you're actually feeling and sensing something outside of yourself, right. does it give you peace and you don't have to worry about what other people say. And so that I just felt so affirmed with this woman that I just wanted to bring it up in our podcast, in our, well, our broadcast, that in fact, if someone dies in your life and you still want to communicate with them, you can. And if you need it through a third party, meaning they're called mediums. Someone called me up one day, are you a medium? That's what I understood. And I go, you know, it depends where I shop. I'm a large to an extra large. <laughs> and that's what I actually said to the person. I love that. But if you're talking about, you know, talking to dead people occasionally. So if if that's what you need as the person who is on earth, as opposed to wherever the other people are, depending on your belief system, that you can actually communicate. Sometimes it's one-sided but you get to talk. It's like when people would have picnics at the graveside, right? And they still right. do, and they should. No, right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I probably a third of my clients eventually go to some kind of psychic or medium or reader or something. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are really embarrassed to tell me that they want to go or that they have gone or they are going. And mm -hmm. I try to normalize it as much as possible and say, this is something lots of people want to do. And it's not of an instead of Jill, it's an adjunct to Jill. It's an adjunct to your life. Just please make sure you get a recommendation from someone you trust. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to just anybody. Cause you know, when we go to new Orleans, we will go to one of the psychic readers on the, you know, in the quarter and we will go in at different times, a group of us and see if we all get the same reading. And generally, we all do get exactly the same reading with exactly the same instructions. And then, you know, yeah, well, whatever. So find out if you can get some, a referral from somebody, you know, mm -hmm. and then let them guide what happens. And if that fits for you, that fits for you. And if, if you pay for it, you pay for it because you're they're, they're doing a service for you. Mm -hmm. But there's nothing wrong with it if it fits your needs. Absolutely if, nothing and, wrong with it at all. And... A lot of people come to me for recommendations for others. And I actually have two or three people and yeah, yes, do things over the phone. Mm -hmm. So if anybody in our listening audience wants to private message Jill or myself, please do. And let us let us send you to reputable, um, honest people who are good listeners, people who will tune in uh, to you. Um, people we've heard good things about. This is not Jill as a therapist, by the way. No. This is just Jill. This is, right. Right. Just Jill. Right. Yeah, no. Right. I'm not, just, a, not a therapeutic medium. Mm -mm. No. Well, 
No, you're not. No. Yeah. Mm -mm. So that's why I, I, and really a lot of people that come to me, yes, that happens, but I send them to these, at least two other people because right. I trust these other people mm -hmm. and where they are um, emotionally and spiritually. Mm -hmm. I, I like the healthiness of them and their reputation and where Absolutely. they, where they learn from. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so that's one of the things, uh, just be careful what you ask. You may not like the answer. <laughs> you know, if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Exactly right. So, right. And there's also, there's always Teresa who's from Long Island. She actually I wrote a grief book. I didn't know that, but she wrote a grief book. Oh, I'll have to look at that. Mm -hmm. I, while I, I do like a lot of her stuff and learn from watching some of the way she phrases things on, um, I, I would watch TV, watch her on mm -hmm. TV. I know people that have gone there and they've really loved her. I also like to do this one episode, I, I, it's humorously, she's, and I do it for my dentist, right? And, you know, the person, she, it's like she has the sucky thing in her mouth. Right. Uh -huh. All of a sudden she goes, oh, and she's got her nails, right? It's, you know, and she goes, oh, did your mother just die? Oh, just a minute. And she's, she's got a message for you. And the, and the uh, assistant is like, like right. <laughs> and so I, I like to, I'd like to do a riff while I do have complete respect for the profession that she, that she's in and what she does and where her heart is. So, yeah. yeah. It's a fun conversation. It's a fun topic and it does help people sometimes. So right. I'm going to be the last one to say you can't do it. I, I think if, if you've got something you need to do, if you want to have the picnic at the cemetery, go have the picnic at the cemetery. First and couple years I had champagne at the cemetery on anniversaries, right? Here's to us, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Second, after the first, after my second wife died, I had to take three glasses and then I was the only one there to drink them. So, you know, you do what you got to do. <laughs> and now you get gluten-free. Now beer. I get gluten-free, no, not beer, gluten-free champagne. <laughs> gluten-free champagne. There you go. Well, they make gluten-free beer, but I, I know. Don't yeah. No. Mm -mm. So, <coughs> right. A single glass exactly. of Cabernet is good enough. There you go, and that's always gluten free. So, once again, I, I just for the listening audience, you know, it's not either or. What you need for your uh, walking through grief, isn't that what you say? Mm -hmm. Oh. Who's Stephen Altman? He's yeah. a friend of mine. He just lost his husband, oh, and we oh had a, we had a we had a trip to the emergency room yesterday because he wasn't paying enough attention. And you know, when you're grieving, you gotta pay attention because otherwise, you crucify your hand. Ha! He's <laughs> something that you know that went on. <laughs> he was cutting an avocado, and he went right through. Yeah, right. You know, and he can he could laugh about it by the time we got him home. Right. Right. Because 
when you're grieving, your brain is cotton. Yes. And you do not, uh, and he's, and Paul's laughing too, uh, that when you're grieving, you have to make allowances. Your brain ain't working at the same speed it was beforehand. You get into and, car accidents, you forget to do stuff. You know, right after my mother died, I was I worked for public health and communicable disease, and they were doing a piece for uh, National Tuberculosis Day. And, and so they came to me, right? And I said, I just told them straight up. I said, my mom just died a week ago, and two, my brain is full of cotton. Please edit. And so I just said, please edit the way so that I sound intelligent. Right. I appreciate it, you know. And 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 they they were very accommodating. Mm -hmm. So just be able to say out loud, I got cotton head brain. This ain't gonna work for a while. White flag is up. I need help. Yeah, right? yeah. that's important. Exactly. It's important to be able to do that. Okay. And you know, and it's important on the receiving side to 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 have a little humor, but not poke fun because someone might be a little sensitive about the fact that they're not coping all that well cognitively with what's going on with them. Right. And so be know, supportive. It's not just if someone dies. When right. someone gets a diagnosis of X Y disease, that is going to mean major changes in their life. One, if you're going to use humor. You better know your audience. There have been times I did not know my audience and it almost wound me up in court. You know? Yeah. So that's number one. Number two, are you making the joke to make yourself feel better or them? That is a very good question yeah, sure. to ask yourself before things come out of your mouth. Mm -hmm. and the other third thing is, have they initiated humor first? Right. And so those are some like things to actually sort of pay attention to mm -hmm. when you're going to make a joke, whatever the grief, right? Yeah. yeah. When I was speaking at the conference, I always infused humor. I, I couldn't tolerate talking for two hours without some laughter and some humor. And I always infuse for therapists, you have got to be able to to help your client laugh again. And you've got to have the smiles on your face because otherwise all you see is the sad face, right? And I have to be careful as I introduce it, especially for therapists who don't normally do grief. And so they're a little taken aback when I you know, talk about using humor. And then there was someone else who spoke about grief before me who was dead serious. <laughs> Right. Deadly serious. She there was not a lot of humor in there. There was a whole lot of serious up. And so I had to go in and break um, some of that because clients who are grieving, whoever we are, no matter what our loss is, whether it's divorce or it's medical or it's a handicap or it's a pet or it's a move, all the things. Mm -hmm. Humor is important, but being cautious about how you use the humor and make sure that it's organic and not forced. Right. And Paul's saying that's important about jokes and being sensitive. Yeah. You do have to yeah. be careful. Right. Yeah. Right. It, 
I mean, know your audience. Right. Um, I, I think I, I told you uh, when I got that Lifetime Achievement Award from my organization mm -hmm. that, in fact, um, while I wanted to be roasted and toasted like a nice marshmallow over the campfire, evenly browned, they chose not to do that in front of everybody because they didn't know. They didn't know who was there. They didn't know who was there. And so eventually, because they know who I am and the fluidity in my sense of humor, that would help. And so there'll be a smaller group that can still do that. And I'm looking forward to that. Next March. Hey, hey. I know. Next March. Anybody who's listening, the Association for Applied and Therapeutic Humor is in March. That it conference. Is. And then yeah. the International Death, Grief, and Bereavement Conference is, is in June. June. I know. I know. We need to turn in something soon or maybe by. I'm November. working on mine this weekend. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. There you go. It's our it's time. Yeah. All right. So next week, same time, same place. Both of us again back on the mainland. We'll yeah. be here. Time for me to take my mama for a ride. She's been a very badly behaved person with dementia this week. I got to get her out of the house. So it's okay. We got to laugh. It doesn't help to not do it. All right, everybody. Have a good week. We will see you next week. Same time, same place. Paul, good to see you too. And I loved your podcast this morning. If you haven't gone on Paul and Glossian's uh, podcast page, you've got to watch. He had he has some really fascinating people, and he had someone today who works entirely with EMS and fire and police. So, oh. bye everybody. Bye, I'll everybody. post it. Okay. <laughs>